truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze Radio TV and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to be here with us. 888-900-3393. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And that last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening today on Blaze Radio or later today on the podcast. If you are listening today on the podcast if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review we'd be very grateful thousands of you have done this for us already keep those coming because the more of those we get the more people like you we find and the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for you the people jam-packed show here today on a tuesday we're going to talk to our old friend jordan Schachtel about all the news going on right now with foreign policy word now that yet another key isis leader has been killed by u.s forces as far as i'm concerned But the bodies hit the floor. Keep piling up cadavers. Hell isn't full enough. Keep the body count coming. We'll talk to Jordan Schachtel about that. Uh, Next hour, we'll have fake news or not. Pop Culture Tuesday. Right before the show, I just saw we got an email from somebody. I said, I cannot believe you guys. I think your name was Brian. Uh, I cannot believe you guys have not talked about this whole Kanye West conversion thing yet. Right? I've gotten that a lot. Have you? Yeah. Well, that's it, it, we've been planning for three days to talk about it now for Pop Culture Tuesday today. Aaron has listened to the Jesus is King album. You listened a couple times, right? Uh, two or three times yeah, now, actually. Yeah. So we're going to get Aaron's review and then size that up with the context of some of the other things that uh, Kanye has said and done uh, here in the last couple of weeks. So we'll get into that with Pop Culture Tuesday. And then we'll also throw in a very quick, uh, if you're looking for something scary for Halloween that uh, isn't overly vulgar, profane, um, or, or gory, a new movie on Netflix. It's, it's not a great movie, but it has arguably the best executed bait and switch I have seen in a movie in this genre since The Sixth Sense. That's going back 20 years, I know. But I mean, I, I did not see what the movie eventually was about coming at all. In fact, about halfway through, Amy and I looked at each other like, do you know what's happening here? I mean, I am totally confused, all right? And then in the last five minutes, you're like, crap crap yeah oh all right so we're going to give you that recommendation and talk about that without spoiling it for you uh coming up in pop culture tuesday a little bit later on as well but before we get to all of those zany hijinks let's begin with what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by another impeachment update kind of not really nancy pelosi announced yesterday a vote regarding the impeachment inquiry into donald trump she later clarified that it's not an impeachment resolution It's just a vote of the rules on impeachment. I'm Ron Burgundy. The day after a U.S. operation led to the death of ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, a separate strike killed who was believed to be his successor, former ISIS spokesman Abu al-Hassan al-Muhajir, who was killed in Syria by a U.S. airstrike. An ISIS spokesman could not be reached for comment. Moving on, President Trump blasted Chicago. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. Afghanistan is a safe place by comparison. It's true. You know, he's probably right. Former Congresswoman Katie Hill, who is facing a House ethics violation for sleeping with her staffers, released a video yesterday apologizing not at all for what she did. 
This coordinated campaign carried out by the right-wing media and Republican opponents, enabling and perpetuating my husband's abuse by providing him a platform, is disgusting and unforgivable, and they will be held accountable. But I will not allow myself to be a distraction from the constitutional crisis we're faced with and the critical work of my colleagues. A new survey by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation found that one in five millennials believe society would be better if all private property were abolished. A judge has reopened the $250 million lawsuit against the Washington Post by Covington Catholic High School student Nick Sandman after dismissing it in July. This opens the door to the Post being liable for libel. According to the Daily Caller, a Catholic priest in South Carolina reportedly denied communion to Joe Biden because of his views on abortion. Kanye West released his newest album last week called Jesus is King, and he's been on an interview circuit recently saying things you probably would have never expected him to say, maybe even this time last year. They were fighting for us to have the right to our opinion, not the right to vote for whoever the white liberals said black people are supposed to vote for. You say to people <laughs> that say you turn you turned your back on the culture or exactly 100 percent i have turned my back on the idea of victimization mentality but the culture has you focused so much on somebody and pulling up in a foreign and rapping about things that could get you locked up and then saying you about prison reform Mm. like it's bro we brainwashed out here bro come on man this is a free man talking Democrats had us voting Democrats for food stamps for years, bro. What are you talking about? Guns in the 80s, taking the fathers out the home, plan B, lowering our votes, making us abort our children. God should not kill. And finally, comedian Dave Chappelle shares his thoughts on political correctness. We all want to live in a polite society. We just have to kind of work on the levels and come to an agreement of what that actually looks like. I personally am not afraid of other people's freedom of expression. I don't use it as a weapon. It just makes me feel better. And I'm sorry if I hurt anybody, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Everything I'm supposed to say. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> Freaking love that. Gosh, that's great. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 yada. Everything I'm supposed to say. Because I, know, I don't know on a daily basis what my view of Donald Trump is just based on not knowing what he'll do on a daily basis, I'm like compiling a, a list in the back of my head of possible write-in candidates, should it come to that next November. I, I think he just made my list. I, I think Dave Chappelle just made my list with that clip. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Riduzone. If you're struggling to meet your weight loss goals, it's because your body was actually not made uh, to shed pounds. It was it was made to crave and conserve calories. And that's because, you know, for about the first 6,000 years of human existence, food was not a readily available, convenient resource to the masses. So what do you do now when it is? And that's why you're eating too much, but now you want to cut back and you're struggling to get your portion sizes, your cravings under control. You know, hard work, discipline will only take you so far when you're going against your own, uh, you know, uh, the way you were created. 
that's where Riduzone comes in. So there's this little molecule in your body called OEA, sends a signal from the belly up to the brain to let the brain know when you're full. But it's a little bit like that speed bump in the parking lot. You just ignored all those years and now it's just kind of like a speed flat. When you just bypass that little message uh, for so long, your body just stops thinking you're not serious about it. And that's where you just stop, keep eating and putting on more pounds. We want to strengthen that OEA to help you naturally control your portion sizes and cravings and and put your body uh, chemistry metabolism back where it should be and all riduzone does is do that with more oea it's not loaded with chemicals additives stimulants of any kind fillers no it's why it's fda accepted vegan friendly and also gluten-free if you want to try it, it takes about 90 days uh to in the subconscious to hardwire a lifestyle change that's why we're offering you right now 30 percent off a three-month supply at riduzone.com so 90 days you get 30 percent off if you use my name steve as a promo code promo code steve at r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e for riduzone.com and you know what with the holidays and stuff basically here the the amount of sweets you'll eat between uh, halloween this week and christmas and new year's at the end of the year this is a great way to help with that as well you know it's because as you've heard me say before it's it's not what you're eating unless you have a food allergy like our Aaron has a food allergy he's a celiac so it does matter what he eats okay but for most people unless you have a, a clinical food allergy it's it's not what you're eating but how much you know if you if you if you buy the little pumpkin kit cats and you look at the back four of those things is 140 calories eating eating 140 calories a day worth of pumpkin kit cats not going to make you gain weight guys it's just not if you have any level of activity at all at all like did you get up and walk around your house today 140 calories of kit kats isn't going to make you gain weight eating 16 of those kit kats will will make you gain weight all right and so that's again where a riduzone this time of year can be valuable to you let's get to the uh montage shall we um I, i'm trying to figure out and this is just the way my brain works and if you if you've been around how I do this show for a long time, you know this. I I I I got to know. I'm like the dude that Clint Eastwood points the gun at in Dirty Harry. I got to know. Okay. I I, I just I, I I need to know things. Can can someone help me? Not what is our counter in conservative media take. Okay. What in 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 Nancy Pelosi's mind? What is the strategy with all of this? I, I don't I don't understand this. I mean, like I, I mean and I mean I really don't. I really don't get what the point of this is. If it's to if it's to lessen backlash from Trump's base or Republican voters, you mean to tell me that when you finally take your vote here in a month or two, people are just gonna and and, and we're sitting in a Senate trial to start off next year. They're, they're not going to remember this because you guys held, uh, Adam Schiff held secret cabinet or, or, or I'm sorry, committee meetings. And you didn't go through the, uh, you know, the out loud process of a formal link. I don't understand this. Okay. Um, you have all the media on your side. You have the numbers in the house. There's no, you can, you can say and do whatever you want. You don't have to do this under the table in any way, shape or form. Um, I don't see what points you gain from it politically. I I really don't understand their strategy. I don't get it. And and the only way that it makes sense to me at all, and the reason why I haven't 
given this analysis is because I cannot foresee a scenario where, where they would do this because you've got people running for president right now who would burn this political party down if this is what happened because it would, it would behoove them to do that because their base would be in a burn it down mode. The only way this strategy makes any sense at all is if you were, and, and if this was the Republican Party, I totally believe this is what's happening because that's what they do. As Daniel Horowitz used to tell me, the big difference between how the two parties behave on Capitol Hill is the, is the Democrats inspire their base to get what they want while the Republicans conspire against their base to get what they want. Okay, So if the shoe was on the other foot, I could totally see that this is how this is going to end. I just can't see the, 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 that Nancy Pelosi, unless she's just like, I don't want to be speaker anymore and I can't quit. So let me incite a French revolution-like storming of the Bastille by doing it this way. The only way I see this strategy plays any, uh, pays any political dividends at all is if you, you aren't going to go through with this and you're going to pull back from the brink at the very end and say, we, do, we, guys, he's a terrible person. That's why we got to beat him at the ballot box, but it, we're just not going there. We can't. The evidence and stuff just isn't there. I, I can't see them doing that because you're in the middle of a presidential primary right now and the amount of people running that would benefit politically from going flat out to war against Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party leadership, they're going to do that, all right? In fact, I would argue their front runner, Elizabeth Warren, would benefit politically tremendously from doing this. So let's take that off the table because do any of us think here that they're going to do that? Does anybody think they're going to do that? Does anybody, think that, does anybody think there's a remote possibility? I guess I shouldn't take that for granted. Do you two think there's a remote possibility they're going to get, Nancy Pelosi's going to stand up about the week before Christmas and say, you know what, guys, we don't have them after all. You know, a happy winter solstice. Does anybody believe that? Yes. But, you do believe that. Put but a percentage not, on they're it. They're not going to say, oh, you said remote. I, okay. I'll, I'll give it... Um, because well, that depends it's, on how serious we should consider this. Tops. It's it's a much better chance that that happens like the day before Christmas, if you know what I'm saying, rather than a week before Christmas. All right. So if you think it's twenty percent tops, I don't think we have to, we should delve into it any further. So then let's take that off the table. What's the strategy? What, when they are getting together quietly, privately, why are they doing it this way? I I don't see what the benefit is on this at all. I don't. So what am I missing? I. Best I can figure is they are looking for what they perceive is the perfect moment because they are deeply concerned about basically having the this thing post-Russia, A, it's post-Russia uh, fizzle, mm-hmm. and B, that, they are, that this is going to look uh, make them look like Hillary Clinton. In terms of, yes, Donald Trump is hated. This is the one who's dumbest last loses in some ways. Uh, yes, he's hated, but are we going to be hated more? They've got to, and they're actually right about, they've got to find the right window to do this. That That is a smart, pragmatic approach. If you're dead set on doing it, we are so fickle. And emotionally, even finding the right window in any given moment, you have no idea what the staying power of that is. Why, why, do, why do they? Why do they need a, a right window? Why? Well, and I'm, I mean, I'm dead serious. I don't <laughs> understand why they believe they need that. 
Well, I th- again, I think it has a lot to do with like Hillary Clinton. We know in this, we thought we Donald Trump was perfect for us. And we lost to him. And we lost to him because as much as he was hated, they hated Hillary more. And we know, they know they're hated too. They know they're hated. Uh, the polling on the de- Congress, Democrats, I mean, pick it, everybody's hate. So you're trying to find a window where you're the one who is least tolerated the most. That that's makes sense Cause, to cause, me. Okay, here's the problem with that strategy, though, if that's what they're thinking, Todd. The problem with that strategy is that it's one thing to rely on that strategy when Donald Trump is a candidate and he cannot actually make decisions that benefit people. Okay? Um, and, and, and so Donald Trump, the candidate, can't stand up there and say, like he did Sunday morning, I ordered the U.S. military under my command, killed arguably the worst person in all of the universe since we have yet to find intelligent life elsewhere. Okay? He can't do that as a candidate. As a president, he can. You're letting him control the narrative. And yeah, I think we all recognize he is just that goofy bastard is just as likely to go out there and shoot his own foot yes. as anything else. But he doesn't do that all the time, does he? No. No. And so you're, you're permitting him to take advantage of news cycles. You're permitting him to generate news cycles. And yeah, dude may not have a great record, but even Ted Williams in his best season failed out of six out of 10 times. Okay. You're giving him the ability to frame himself. He, his negatives, I'm just telling you this right now, his negatives cannot go lower. If, if Donald Trump were a stock, if this, in, in fact, since Aaron and I, this is the conversation you and I have all the time, you want to, and let's put a point spread on it, sure. okay? Donald Trump right now, play the Carolina Panthers next week. I, I don't know the line. I don't even know who they're playing. All right, but look to play a good team when they, when they absolutely just got housed. Play Wisconsin next game. I don't even know who they're, what is your next Iowa. game? Iowa. Okay, play Wisconsin next game, all right? When, because if you give a team that has ability and talent, and then you throw in, you're, you're just, you were embarrassed. Your manhood was taken from you. And then I get you at home in that next game, okay? Play that team. And that's what they're doing right now. And the reason why you want to play that team is because the public's going to overreact to what they just saw every time. And so the line is going to be in your favor. There's going to be value in that line. Everybody's going to constantly overreact. We call it recency bias in both politics and sports, in polls and handicapping, point spreads, et cetera. So his numbers, unless they have, unless they have, you know, pictures, a video of him walking into a Planned Parenthood clinic and, and handing the cash for some, you know, for, for some, you know, one of his concubines to abort their kid, unless they have something like that. They've got video of him getting off the plane on Epstein Island, you know, something like that. There's no way his stock can go any lower. It can't go any lower. Now, it doesn't mean, it may not mean it can go much higher either, but if it can't go any lower, that means it can only go which direction? Higher. Its ceiling may be low. We could argue about what the ceiling is, okay? But there's no way a president with a 3% economic growth rate and the fewest people getting unemployment claims uh, since before Jimmy Carter was president and the highest Hispanic unem- uh, unemployment and, and the highest black unemployment and, I, and, and the military under my command just killed an ISIS, I, the number one ISIS leader, his stock cannot go lower. And if you, when you guys go underground and go off camera, you're letting him now determine what his ceiling is. By making decisions as president. And I, I mean, I'll give you another example. It just happened. Barstool. Not, a, not, not political. And, and kind of your crass, 
you know, uh, you know, sports talk network, right? Okay. They just tweet out a video of Donald Trump at the White House uh, trick-or-treating event. Kid walks up to him in one of those um, um, uh, minion costumes from Despicable Me, yeah. and, he, and, he, and he can't figure out, he has no hands. And so he just, and the president's <laughs> looking at him, smiling at him. It's clear he thinks the costume's really cool, just know how to give the kid a Hershey bar. And so he just finds a way to balance the Hershey bar on the kid's head, and it works. And the kid walks away with the Hershey bar perfectly, and he's wearing like a life-sized minion costume. Like, like if you went to Universal Studios and the minions came up to your kids, this is what they were wearing. I mean, this thing is legit, man. He didn't just go to Costco and buy this thing and so he's balancing the, the 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 hershey bar and the kid walks and the kid walks away and everybody laughs you're letting him get moments like that if you're the democrats the you're, dog yesterday yes the dog you're letting him have the stage all to himself and while we thought during the campaign that was a smart strategy and it was okay it just you can't you can't couple that with let me never go to wisconsin and, and campaign smartly as president it's a terrible strategy because he can make decisions he can he can create and contrive circumstances now to make people like him that you can't do as a candidate and that's why i don't understand that strategy no, but, they're letting him have the stage i don't i don't no, think but you that's might smart make that if he's already low you you might make people like him by your actions that's people liked him more than Hillary because of her actions. Except you bring out the worst in him. What's the one thing everybody hates the most about Donald Trump? Unless they love him, unless your Cheeto Jesus saves, what irritates you more than anything else? Hashtag witch hunt. Yeah. You want that stuff. You want that conversation. You want him distracted on and fighting back against this. But you also as say, opposed to rising above it and looking presidential. You also say he's best with the foil. Uh, for get, his own, when it comes to his own survival, yes. Yeah. Well, you but, give but on the impeachment. You're, but what you're doing now is you're now you're letting him rebuild his brand, and then you give him the advantage of giving you as a foil. To me, I would be out there constantly in public, constantly baiting him into this because you know he can't stay away. You know he can't. You know that he can't do it. All right. I I would I, I'd I'd be out there the day after, the day after the 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 ISIS killings. I I did the money news cycle. Open hearing in Adam Schiff's committee room, all right? Because anything we're talking about other than that, if I'm a Democrat, is a political win for me. I want to I want to appeal to Donald Trump's base nature. I want to I want to I want to beg him away from looking presidential and and giving candy to adorable kids and I want him in the muck and mire with me. Okay? I that's what I want. I that's the and so I don't I get that you, I, I, I agree with you. That's probably what they think they're doing. I just think it's a terrible strategy. I, I think it's a terrible strategy to give Donald Trump an excuse not to get into the, into the, into the pit with you and look presidential because he's looked the most presidential he has looked in the last 40, 48, 72 hours. And how long would you say? Yeah, probably does, since the last joint know, but session he, of Congress speech he's given. Does he have more times where he looks presidential or not presidential? He's there's, not. A, there's yes, no matter what, no matter what, I agree. But there, but it, when does he have a better chance of coming across as presidential in moments like we just described, or when he's engaging Democrats? I'd, it's in I'd, moments like we just described, not when he's engaging Democrats, because while that while that creates great clickbait for us, the vast majority of the American people just find it silly, immature, and unseemly, and that's why I'd want to bait him into those.
I'd, I'd want to bait him. If but, I'm Adam, but he's that's not what the only one under those circumstances that's going to have a look. But he's the they only one, Todd, too. that has to win a national election. Nancy Pelosi just has to win a district in San Francisco that she can't I don't, lose. There's, there's no way that Elizabeth Warren, whoever, isn't going to have to wear that on some level. But Elizabeth Warren wants to wear it. Oh, I, that's her see, calling card. She wants to wear that. It's, it's, it's again. If we're they talking don't impeach him, Elizabeth Warren. She wants it. Elizabeth Warren is going to take scalps. If you see what I did there, all right. If they don't, if they don't impeach him, Elizabeth Warren's going to be taking scalps. There's going to be a civil war in that party next in, within in 90 days, early yeah, well, in the middle I'm, of their own presidential how is primary all process. That look for taking back the White House. That's why they have to. That, I agree, and that's why they have to impeach him. That's why they have to do it. I agree. They have to impeach him to appease their base and then hope that the economy tanks next fall so that the, that the blowback for doing so will be mitigated by a failing economy. That's their strategy. I, I understand. I understand their long term strategy. I get that. I don't see how these actions get them with their long term strategy. They're giving him opportunities to to engage the American people outside of the pissing match that usually goes on within the within the bubble. Aaron, what do you think? You've been listening to Todd and I go back and forth. It is let let's remind ourselves now. Let, let, let's reset something a big picture. I think it is well established that the base of the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party apparatus now are run largely by capital P progressives, by Marxists. And we've talked about multiple times, multiple times, how looking into the mind of the progressive, um, the progressive cult is like trying to figure out the mind of the Joker. (laughs) I'm dead serious about this. So I would propose, and you can shoot this down if you want to, but I would propose that we do the same thing with trying to figure out Democrats' strategy that we do every time we get a buy-sell-hold proposition that has anything to do with what next step Donald Trump will do. Because it's just ridiculously hard to figure out the mind of madness. Does that make sense? Yeah. And maybe maybe that's too simplistic. Maybe that's um, maybe we're not doing our jobs enough, but this is a this is a mad time, guys. I, it is it is a, a time of madness uh, across the board, and I, I, as you know, I, I could say something really really easy, like uh, in this particular scenario where Pelosi announces a vote for the impeachment inquiry, inquiry like she did yesterday, and then backtracks and says, "No, it's just a, a vote for the rules about the impeach." I, okay. Maybe she's just trying to get the news off of, oh, um, we just killed a really, really bad guy, and uh, there's a really cute dog that helped do that, and Donald Trump is tweeting about that, and everybody's focused on all this good stuff, and we're getting pilloried right now because we because our side can't, you know, say, you know, shut up for five minutes about how much they hate Donald Trump, even in really good circumstances. Maybe this is just a way to get the narrative off of that and back onto uh, Orange Man Bad. That could be as simple as that. But it could just be that these guys are the Joker. It's the mouth of madness, and uh, any tr- any you know any any attempt to deduce what they're trying to do is maybe a fool's errand. That's just my thought. I, yes, I don't I don't disagree with that. I I just don't I I don't see the strategy. I agree with what Todd is articulating. I agree that is their strategy. All right. So I asked you, if you were sitting in their rooms, what are they saying they're doing here? 
And I think what you articulated is what they is is for the most part what they would say they're doing here. I I just don't I think it's a terrible strategy. I mean, I think it's an absolutely terrible strategy. Because yes, out there on his own um he, you know, but he can't go any lower. He can't go any lower because things are going reasonably well. And so you're putting him in a position where he can only succeed by giving him the stage right now to himself. You're putting him in a position where he can only succeed because he can follow up a dumb tweet that offends everybody with when we just killed another ISIS leader. And you're letting him have the stage to himself. And if, if, if you're worried about blowback next fall, impeaching a president with a, I don't even know what his RCP mean approval rating is right now. Maybe what, let's just say 47. Estimate a little high, all right? Let's say it's 47 right now. I guess, look it up if you could, Todd. Just Google it. I am right now. You're looking at Aaron. So he's got a 42.1 approval rating. 42, wow. Okay, so I was estimating way high. All right. So if you think, if you're worried about a blowback for attempting to impeach a guy now who's at 42 what's the blowback if he's at 47 or 48 but they'll worry about that when they get to it they you you, you've said yourself good economy still this low you said i think about a week ago he can't he can't win like this he has got to be more presidential agreed he most often isn't presidential you just have got to let it ride on some level he's he's i don't think he's capable of but but he's not going to go lower than 42 about that's not even my argument but he's staying here that's pretty good Okay. All right. We'll come back. We'll come back and take a look at what's happened with foreign policy lately, including some wins by the president. Next. So you're right to be looking for new, creative, inventive ways to protect your wealth, retirement, savings, finances, finances. Financies. If you have those, protect those too. Uh, from trade wars, currency wars. How about fake news media that's you know been trying to provoke a recession for most of this year because they're trying to get a better election outcome that they prefer the next time around. So if you are working hard to protect your wealth, your productivity from these sorts of things, you're looking for ways to exempt yourself as much as possible uh, from contrived bubbles and economies. Great. You're you're independent. You're not a sheeple. You're smart. But why go then, why exempt yourself from a dangerous status quo to go with potentially dangerous, untested methods at the exact same time? I mean, cryptocurrencies are up, they're down. Way up, way down. Meanwhile, gold has stood the test of time. It's where smart people have put their money for thousands of years, literally, now. And why not go with the method that has proven time and time again to be the right one when it comes to protecting what you have rightfully earned? As the Lord says, the worker is worth his hire. If you want to learn more about the timeless truth about gold, it's a free report and DVD our friends over at Swiss America are offering you right now. It's called the Timeless Truth About Gold DVD and Report. Go to their website, get it for free at SwissAmerica.com swissamerica.com or give them a call 800-289-2646 that's 800-289-2646 let's bring in our old friend jordan Schachtel. there's been a ton of foreign policy news as of late good to have you back on the show brother how are you 
Yeah, I'm doing great. Good to be with you. We just got word this morning here, another high-level target uh, taken out uh, from Islamic State as well. You've had some interesting uh, thoughts I've been reading on Twitter in the last couple of days about what really is the state of ISIS across uh, the region, but also across the globe and why we're finding them outside these leaders, outside of their indigenous reason, uh, regions and, and what you think as a, as a foreign policy analyst that means about where they really are at as a viable uh, organism. Can you share that with our audience, Jordan? Yeah, I think most of the mainstream media is very much underplaying the extent to which ISIS is almost completely defunct. Um, only a couple of years ago, they had networks and cities full of infrastructure, uh, people coming from all over the world to join this supposed caliphate that they had declared in Syria and Iraq, holding a ton of territory. And today, I think as evidenced by not only you know Baghdadi being killed a couple days ago, his number two being taken out right away thereafter, it appears that no one's keeping secrets about ISIS anymore and people are willing to throw the leaders of the entire organization under the bus in order to curry favor with whoever these sources are. And to me that indicates that these ISIS leaders have nowhere else to hide at this point. The caliphate, as, as we know, is gone. Um, I've, I've tried. I've taken pains to in media appearances and on you know social media to tell people like, listen, these these cities that were held by ISIS, they're not held by anyone right now because it's basically just sand. Um, what the U.S. and coalition forces did to this these cities and other actors that wanted to destroy ISIS was they just bombed the the f out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, turn these cities into rubble. And there's no infrastructure in these cities anymore. There's no economy. Um, a city like Raqqa in Syria, if you look at photos of Raqqa, it's just a bunch of um, bombed out buildings, um, you know, people that are, you know, setting up uh, markets just to, you know, trade in the most, like, primitive terms, like trading food and, you know, basic supplies. The, the threat of ISIS coming back is very much overhyped. And, you know, I don't see it happening. And, and you don't see that, that same pull that they used to have with potential, you know, American extremists that would want to come over there. There's no, that's not happening to the extent it was in, you know, 2014, 2015. One of the things you and I have talked about over the years when discussing this region of the world is that a, a group like Islamic State can break off from Al-Qaeda and go viral, for lack of a better description, in a reasonably quick amount of time and catch lightning in a bottle if it looks like they have the momentum, if it looks like they're winning, if they're pushing back against uh, the Western uh, uh, Judeo-Christian devils, okay? But, but, uh, and, and, and maybe you'll even put up with some of their barbarism if you have similar leanings ideologically because, you know, everybody, everybody, every culture like, has bandwagon jumpers, right? But if it looks as if uh, there's no market anymore in putting up with their foul stench, and that's what I hear you describing right now as everybody realizes over there, whether they like the U.S. and its coalition forces or not, you know, that, that dog ain't going to hunt. That brand is a dead brand. And I, I bring that up because when you talk about, you know, essentially turning Raqqa into, um, you know, a, a, a mausoleum, basically, is, is that an effective military tactic from a messaging standpoint? Because 
the way we the way Islamic radicalism works is you know they're already plotting. Hey, there's here's where Islamic State failed, and here's the new thing we have to do now. All right, uh, we got the the previous Spinal Tap up to eleven didn't work. We got to turn this thing to sixteen, and and you know I, that's why I liked what the president said on Sunday about. He didn't wasn't a martyr. He died like a dog, whimpering, crying. Took his own children as a human shield with him. It was a he, it was a punk move. All right, uh, and leaving these strongholds of radicalism and and just bombing them into oblivion as almost reminders. Are you really sure you want to go down this road? Because this is going to be what your neighborhood's going to look like once we t- start taking you seriously. Is, is that an, an effective merging of messaging and tactics in your view? Yeah, I think so. When you specify ISIS as an organization and how you said they dialed it up to 11 right away and that the way to counter it, I think, was to just totally, you know, if they were going to go on the aggressive and dial it up to a million and, you know, commit all these horrific crimes, our I, I think our response was correct in essentially, you know, taking the fight to them directly, um, not really messing around too much and just, you know, showing through our counter-propaganda and through our military operations, that this thing wasn't going to be sustainable and that ISIS's strategy to very quickly take over the, the two countries in Syria and Iraq or significant parts of them totally failed. So I think that potential ISIS um, devotees will see that and think, okay, you know, time for a change in strategy. I'm not saying that, you know, Islamic fundamentalism is gone in any mm-hmm. sense. You know, there's tens of millions um, of... Islamic extremists in the world, and that's going to be a problem for the long term. But in terms of this specific group called ISIS, um, the way their leader died, the way that their second in command was killed off um, within hours of Baghdadi being killed, and you know the heir apparent can't even get a message out before he gets his head taken off. Uh, this is not good stuff. If you're uh, if you're a guy that's you know thinking about joining ISIS, you're probably going to look for another group to inspire you. Is it a boost to a guy like an Erdogan, who my view of him, you know, and I've talked with our mutual friend Daniel Horowitz about this the last couple of years, and I've shared this analogy with our audience. I'd like to get your take on it, uh, Jordan. My view of Erdogan is I think he is to the Muslim Brotherhood what the Las Vegas Strip was to the mob. Meaning that, that you know, Bugsy Siegel and, and, and those guys go out to the, you know, the desert out there in Nevada and conjure up a way where where La Cosa Nostra can go, Nostra can go legit. You know, they can, they can actually create casinos and opportunities to funnel their money above board uh, and, 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 and find a way to corporatize their criminal chicanery. And that's how I view Erdogan. I, I you know, in Italian suits, Brooks Brothers suits, I, I view him as an attempt to corporatize the Muslim Brotherhood, to, to make it look like uh, to, that, it's, that it's valid, that it's legit, uh, to put a nice smiley face on it when it's largely the exact same uh, end game just by another means. A, what's your view of my analogy there? And then B, if you if you think there is any merit to it, could the this, this savage way the United States and its coalition forces just put down this barbarism and made a point by doing so, does it almost bolster an Erdogan going back to his MB buddies and say, see... This is why we got to do it our way. If you if you if if you mess with the U.S., Donald Trump bombs us back to the Stone Age. But if we do it my way, he'll put a hotel in Istanbul. See where I'm going with this? Yeah, Erdogan, he's a bad guy. Um, you know, funds Hamas, funds the Muslim Brotherhood, 
funds Islamist groups on American shores, um, is setting up mosques in the United States backed by the government of Turkey where they have radical preachers. That's all been established. Uh, and I, I think that Erdogan knew that this ISIS thing was probably going to fall apart too because, you know, the strategic ineptitude of this group, they were never going to, I don't think that they were ever going to last too long. Um, he's certainly a big problem for U.S., for the United States government. Um, but Turkey as a whole is, is a very complex country. I think that needs to be viewed not through its own prism. Um, of course, they have a secular tradition there, and there's also a lot of leftists there. And then you also have the Islamists, and then you know Erdogan's the, kind of like the leader of the Islamists right now. But he's not going to be around forever. And historically, there's been significant partnerships developed between the United States military and the Turkish military, uh, which is, you know, used to be very much a secular institution. And it, it's, a, it's a really complicated matter because you don't, I don't think that we can just abandon Turkey because if we abandon Turkey, then they're just going to become a full-fledged Islamist state oh, yeah. and partner. Well, and this is why I used, I, I mentioned him specifically. I didn't mention yeah. Turkey. I, I, I wanted to zero in on him uh, specifically, but go ahead, finish your point. You know, he's a big problem and he's, you know, he's, He's getting more and more power as he continues to extend his reign over a decade over Turkey. So, you know, it's up. It's a very difficult diplomatic process, I'm sure, because, you know, we don't really we won't say this publicly, but he's not our guy. Um, he's not a particularly trustworthy guy. You know, he undermines our allies, whether it's Israel or basically every other Sunni uh, Arab country in the Gulf that wants to get rid of the Islamic extremism problem, he's enabling it. But again, you know, you have tens of millions of people in Turkey that don't want Isl Islamism as their future. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a it's a very difficult um, negotiation and you know way to kind of cater to him while not necessarily you know giving him what he wants. But we can't abandon Turkey, so there's a lot of issues at play there. Two more things I want to ask you about. One. And, and, you know, I, John McCain used to say this when he was alive and, uh, you know, you go through five years in the Hanoi Hilton, I, I will defer to you on the, on treatment from oppressive regimes. Okay. But I never, I, that him notwithstanding, and I saw some of the Obama Eastas saying this over the weekend as well. I, I don't understand this idea that, well, you know, um, when I, if, when the Islamists capture you, they were only going to stab you in one eyeball. But because your president ran smack on Twitter, they're going to take them both now. Hell, do you understand where I'm getting with this? I don't understand this logic. Like, like because Islamic radicalism has been known for its restraint since the seventh century. I, I, I mean, I mean, they've invented torture techniques, weaponry. Okay, some of which we still use in this world today. All right, they were inventing this stuff in the seventh, eighth, ninth centuries. I, so, I help me to understand this notion that, um, well, you know, if we rub their noses in it which I think is the right thing to do because you're dealing with an honor-based culture. It's not nearly as effeminate as ours. You you want to show the next generation, no, there is no honor here. No, there's not hot virgins waiting for you. You're just going to die like a dog. All right, I like it. I think it's I think it's perfectly effective messaging. But, but where does this idea come from, though, that if we use this, somehow... Uh, they'll they'll crucify six more Christians than they otherwise would have. What, 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 help me to am I, and maybe I'm not being fair to this point. Maybe it has more merit than I thought. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of um, you know angles at play here. There's kind of like this Western bias that um, a lot of people who don't really 
aren't really educated on the theological elements of Islamic supremacism think that oh you know maybe we can just cater to these people and they're come they'll come to understand our ideas um, kind of like the Bush democracy project stuff mm -hmm. and then you have um, the leftist angle which is like basically we suck too so we need to treat these people with respect um, but the whole idea I think that you're kind of talking about is like the fact that we have to like bury Baghdadi's body respectively res apparently um, you know that that whole notion is ridiculous and that's why I thought it was great when the president said that the leader of ISIS died like a coward with dogs chasing him mm -hmm. dogs which are um, you know haram in the radical forms of Islam so I think it painted a great picture of you know this pathetic coward being chased down by American dogs and had nowhere to turn to so he blew himself up with a bunch of kids mm -hmm. I mean, how much better propaganda can you get for the U.S. for that? And how much more humiliating can it get for the leader of ISIS um, to blow himself up with a bunch of kids? And, you know, he, he deserves nothing, no particular burial. And I think there, there's a biggest tree of low expectations for um, the Muslims in, in the world when you think that, oh, we need to we need to cater to them or else they're going to become extremists. You know, we're fighting a war of ideas here. And, and the whole point um, is to not, you know, accept this ideology and, and allow it to be a part of our world. So the fact that we're like, you know, that anyone is trying to accommodate these horrendous ideologies, it should be just dismissed outright. Amen. And not to mention, if you want to convince people that this isn't real Islam, why give it any of the honor or trappings then of, of mainstream Islam? If it's not real Islam, all right, if it's a heretical cult, then burn the ashes like you would any other heretical cult. Right. I mean, I don't I don't understand that. Aaron, I want to make sure you, we get to the point you wanted to raise before we run out of time. Well, I just wanted to react right after Jordan was done. But I just want to commend Jordan for for one of the things that he said, that the ideology that drives this notion that uh, we just need to be respectful. It's the same thing that Steve Kerr said the other day when asked about uh, human rights abuses in China. That's the same ideology at mm -hmm. work here. The idea that all cultures are created equal. Have you talked about the China's you know human rights violations? Well, they haven't asked us about America's. That's the same thing sure. where this is coming sure. from. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Final thing I want to ask you about, I got about three minutes, Jordan. What exactly is happening in Saudi Arabia right now? Uh, w concerning what exactly? I mean, just <laughs> a lot comprehensively on a cultural level, what is occurring oh, yeah. there? Okay. So there is a generation of Saudis who are probably, uh, you know, millennials, Gen Zers, uh, you know, people that are the crown prince's age, um, He's in his mid-30s, and he's um, basically in control of the country because his father, the king, is not all there. Um, and my Arab friends will probably be mad at me for saying that, but whatever. You know, it's America. We have free speech here. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, so he's leading a nationalist and um, I guess you call it like a patriotic movement, which is based in the idea of modernity, uh, rejecting radical Islam, and, you know, basically trying to advance a more government-backed um, reformist Islam. And he has many enemies because for decades, Saudi Arabia endorsed the Wahhabis, mm -hmm. um, who are radical Islamists, and they said that basically we're not going to try to overthrow the monarchy if you don't mess with our, you know, crazy fundamentalism, seventh century stuff, where we can kind of just like harass women and try to uphold this awful, you know, system of laws that 
um, just treats other people other than, you know, fundamentalist men like trash. So there's kind of like a culture war going on in Saudi Arabia. But from what I've seen from independent sources, the crown prince has a lot of support for what he's doing. Um, our media has kind of uh, abandoned uh, this campaign for whatever reason because they're so obsessed, you know, with the Jamal Khashoggi stuff or, you know, they're taking um, bad information from these sources and, you know, Turkey and Qatar, which have um, embraced the, you know, Islamic fundamentalism. But, you know, this is a guy who we can work with. Um, and Saudi Arabia, you know, is one of the biggest holders of, um, you know, fossil fuel, natural energy resources. So it's a very important country and it's, and it's a strategic ally to the United States. Um, so the fact that he's also trying to root out this Islamic extremism in our country, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it's an easy, easy yes to support what he's doing. Okay. Obviously he's not, you know, abiding by some kind of, uh, American constitutional process in doing so. Um, and you don't have to accept everything he's doing in his country. But I, I think, by and large, what he's doing should be supported. Great stuff. Jordan, uh, thanks for helping keeping our audience informed. Good to have you back, brother. Good to see you again. Thanks, thanks for joining us today here on Blaze TV, okay? Thanks. Appreciate it. You bet. Ton of good stuff there. All right, we'll come back. Fake news or not, Pop Culture Tuesday as well when we come back for hour number two. Next, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain, this is pain from inflammation in the body. If you've got an illness or an injury, go get professional medical help. But some medical professionals realize that, you know, we can't just keep prescribing drugs to treat symptoms all the time. What if we helped the body to naturally push back on inflammation, to, to see some real healing? And that's where Relief Factor comes in. 100% drug-free, even though it's 100% created by medical professionals, physicians, in fact. Four key natural ingredients that help your body naturally win the war against that inflammation. It's a daily part of my regimen. I swear by it. I love the product. And that's why I would highly recommend that you do what I did. I, I decided to test the spirits here. They, I wanted to call the bluff. They told me, hey, it's a three-week starter kit. See if you get any results. And boy, howdy, did I see some. And that's why I've been, I've been using it on a regular basis ever since. They want to offer this exact same bluff call to you, a dollar a day to get the starter kit, to find out, do you start seeing a quality of life improvement because of relief factor? What do you have to lose for a dollar a day for three weeks, 20 bucks, except maybe finally, hopefully the pain. They're going to offer this to you at way below cost to start because they're that confident that their product works and you're going to want to come back for more. But give it a shot. Why not? What do you have to lose except that pain at relieffactor.com. Get the starter kit for three weeks at relieffactor.com. Gentlemen, it's time for our weekly edition of Fake News or Not. If you're new to the program, we started doing this a little differently earlier this year, realized that there was no point in continuing to fact check organizations in the media that may have austere names 
see what I did there with the, the use of that word. Uh, uh, they may have austere names, but they'd given up uh, being serious about facts a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So instead, we focused at the start beginning of this year, we're focusing fake news or not on the news that's supposed to be and the news that makers that are supposed to be telling you the truth, giving you the real news, right? Are they fake news or not? I select the clips, Todd and Aaron decide. Are they thumbs up or thumbs down? Here's clip number one. Brexit is one of the worst things that um, could happen to Great Britain. Um, it's already damaged uh, the British economy dramatically in the last three and a half years since the referendum. What would you say to that about the damage already done and more to come? Well, first, I have to say, I, you know, Richard Branson has a great airline version, Atlantic. However, I think what he's saying there about Brexit, you know, damaging the British economy is complete nonsense. Uh, and actually, his own company has done very well in the Brexit era. Uh, and will do even better, I think, once Brexit is implemented. So I think you do have a lot of business, uh, very wealthy business elites who are against uh, Brexit. But uh, the reality is that if you canvass opinion among a lot of small businesses in the UK, they're very much in favour mm -hmm. of Brexit. And I think there's a broader acceptance within the business community in the United Kingdom that Brexit is going to happen, that it will be reality. There's no point for Richard Branson to swim against the tide here. Brexit, I think, is inevitable. Brexit is inevitable. And I have been saying since the day they took the vote, it's never happening. Never. These progressive elites, people like the Richard Bransons of the world. See, Richard Branson is not ignorant of his bottom line. He just, his bottom line is leftist progressivism, okay? And so they don't ever lose. And what, what, when was this about two years ago? <laughs> and, and three. They, was it three 20, years ago? It was in, yeah, that's right. It was in 2016. That's right. Okay, so it's been three years. Okay, but, but that's a guy that has a much cooler voice than me. I really wish I had a British accent. That dude has a much cooler voice than me and he's over there and he says, I'm wrong. Brexit is inevitable. So is he fake news or not? Or am I? Todd, I'll start with you. Neither one of you are fake news. I mean, I, you were right that it was never going to be clean, uh, but I, I do think it's going to happen eventually, and I, I don't know if it's tomorrow or next year, uh, because of, actually, the, guys like Branson, I'll, the, the, this is virtue signaling. He, there's a lot of people who are actually, at the end of the day, going to be good enough either way. They they they're not gonna they're gonna do all the right virtue signaling they need to now to keep their social credit. But they I do think they know that their 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 bottom line is going to be fine. And if if uh, if that's um, good a good enough uh, sense of stability for them, uh, you know, then they they'll st they'll always have their virtue signaling. I mean, that's the great thing to everybody about virtue signaling. It, it that currency is always there for them. They're never gonna lose it. Uh, they can play that hand in either circumstance, but not necessarily fiscally. And if they see this thing as a fiscal, and I don't know enough about that, Steve. Maybe you do. I really don't know how his business is doing or most businesses are doing because of that. And that, that's on me. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's right either that it's an in, inevitable. Uh, but I think it's probably going to happen eventually. Okay. Aaron, what do you think? Did you guys know that Japan and Russia are still at war? Like from 1905? Uh, let's see. The Russo-Japanese War of 1905? Actually, this is from World War II. Oh, okay. Still. All right. From World They're War still II. at war. So I would like to make a prediction. 50 years from now, 
We're going to be seeing YouTube videos, top 10 facts about uh, world treaties that you didn't know. One of them is, you know, <laughs> technically Britain is not a part of the European Union, but for all intents and purposes, yada, da 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 So I think that dude is fake news. Hmm. Okay. Clip number two, Steve Bannon returns. So right now, this week, Pompeo, Rudy, and Mulvaney are on deck perhaps to go and talk in front of this committee. What does that mean? Will they do it? Well, listen, this I think you saw with Kupperman. They're going to start asking. And I don't understand why, you know, they put out, uh, Scipione, Pat put out this letter a couple weeks ago to say no more uh, information and no more uh, people going forward. Uh, I don't know why that hasn't been enforced. I think it will start to be enforced this week. You know, this, this situation right now is about precedent, it's about policy, and it's about process. You had David Rifkin in the Wall Street Journal and Elizabeth Price Foley had a great article that said until they have a full vote of the House, this is a completely illegitimate constitutional process. And I think this thing ought to be fought. I think it ought to be fought all the way up to the Supreme Court. Aaron, I'll start with you that time, this time. Fake news or not? Well, you know, I, I actually tend, this is maybe going to be the first time that I, I ever say this, but I definitely think uh, that, that they should fight this all the way up to the Supreme Court because uh, what says, you know, man of the people, populist, like appealing to a bunch of elitists in black robes, I mean, they are dependable. Let's, <laughs> let's just, let's get that out of, uh, out of the way right now. You know, those those uh, sitting on the court right now, they are nothing if not dependable. I saw the other day that they would not take up the case of a teen, a Christian teen in Maryland, whose high school forced her to write an Islamic conversion prayer. I mean, that just smacks of dependability. We should be appealing uh, to these people definitely when it comes to a matter of a duly elected sitting president of a Western country. I mean, I, if you guys don't agree, then you just hate America. So proud of you right now. After seeing that clip, you know John Roberts is going to be giving some speech at Georgetown Law in the next week or two. That essentially says, don't even try that. Do not put this hot potato in my lap. Did you see how I, how I knifed you on Obamacare a couple of times when you did that to me? I will do that with you as well. You guys, you guys figured this stuff out yourselves down there on Capitol Hill. Do not, do not bring this into my chamber. You will not like the result. I, I could see John Roberts giving some kind of speech somewhere like Georgetown or Harvard, you know, some reputable law school for elites, and 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 he finds a way to say that's that dog ain't going to hunt. I don't don't bring that here. You guys figure that out yourselves. You're not going to like. You will not like the Frankenstein solution that I come up with. I assure you, Todd. Uh, the only way to follow a tour de force like that from Aaron is with something short and pithy. So it's fake news because it's Bannon talking about anything. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about a meeting of the minds, folks. You want to talk about a true intellectual showdown. It doesn't come any more Mensa than Chris Wallace versus Eric Swalwell. In America, if you confess to a crime, you still get a fair trial. And uh, we have a confession, we have a crime, whether it's by the president or those obstructing on his behalf. They're doing this because this is what the guilty do. Question, how can you be considered an impartial fact finder when you seem to have come to the conclusion that the president is guilty before you've heard a single witness defending the president? Yeah, and as I said, obstructive acts in our law 
you know, in our system of laws, are considered uh, consciousness of guilt. When people try and obstruct the proceedings, jurors are told you can be used that as a consciousness but of guilt. Don't you think there may be another side to this story? Well, I, I would like to see that side. I haven't seen it uh, yet. It, but as I've said, the president is, is entitled to a fair hearing. If this was Donald Trump justice, Donald Trump would be impeached and removed by now. He jumps to conclusions, doesn't really rely on facts. We're giving him a fair process that he is allowed to participate in. By the way, he has well, chosen you, no, not no, to He's send not allowed it. to participate because you haven't allowed him to have a counsel present or to ask questions of the witnesses. So he has not been able to participate. He's allowed to participate in, we have subpoenaed witnesses who he has told not to come forward. We've asked for documents that he has refused to turn over. And I just assume, and I think my colleagues assume, that if those documents could exonerate him, if those witnesses could exonerate him, he would send them forward. If he's going to obstruct our efforts, we're going to put that in the bucket of a consciousness of guilt. Todd, fake news or not? What do you expect me to do with that? Uh, here's what I'll do. Uh, it's, it's not fake news because, listen, the simple fact about Chris Wallace sometimes and where you get the best of Chris Wallace is that he is Mike Wallace's son. And now that he's getting older, he's starting to look more like him. And you just see a certain, yeah, that's kind of BS. And he just kind of lets the dad shine through. Uh, so not fake news. What's the best of Chris Wallace, do you think? Oh, I mean, is that, is, see, is that like the best of Asia? You know, they had that one Heat of the Moment song, you know? We have different... What's, what's, what's track three and four on Asia's greatest hits, do you think? So we have things that bother us. Like, uh, Jake Tapper and it bothers me way more than him. I'm fascinated by that. Way more. Why is yeah. that? Because Why? he's just... And you agree, Aaron, with that. Okay. He's now yeah. viewed at the new Golden Boy, the kind of the guy who's taken over for Russert. He's, yeah. I, I was I, buying I, into that for a I while. I don't a, buy into that It's anymore. a total scam. Yeah, I agree it's with you. It's a total scam. scam. I agree. And I'm fed up with yeah, it. The, the, the he, Sheriff Israel thing was the last There's just another that. video recently where, uh, you know, he got... Um, Tapper got out of his car and some other reporter from some website or something came up and tried to ask him questions. And of course, he hightailed it out of here. I mean, the, the guy is just a haircut. It's not, he's not a dummy, but he's turned into a, just a haircut. He's Ron Burgundy. Yikes. Anyway, back to what do you think Chris Wallace's best is? <laughs> but that might be it. But it's a very, it was, that, that's a, and that's, that's probably you take it. that, wouldn't it's you? It's a low, low bar because... If it takes, if Eric Swellwell, who's who has to bring out the best in you, there's not a lot of best there, Aaron. But what are your thoughts? Fake news or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's maybe time for for Swalwell to take his own advice and uh, and pass the mic. You know, like he was talking about early on in his campaign. By the way, he ran for president. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> uh, take the hell take yeah, his, I do. Take his own advice. <laughs> Pass the mic. <laughs> I remember it a couple times. A couple yes. times. Yes. Yeah. Time to Especially feast. when I'm bored. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Time to feast. Yeah. Um, yeah, pass the mic to somebody who can actually dodge more effectively than that or has the brains not to go on Fox. But again, it's Chris Wallace, so maybe he uh, he kind of had the same look in his eyes that Kamala Harris had when she was being questioned by, who was that? Uh, uh, Anderson Cooper, I think it was, yes. last week. Yeah, give um, us just a specific yeah, crime, because we all know it's tons of them, so give us one. That Giuliani yes. committed. Yeah. Um, you know, it was that type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, this is, I guess this is not fake news. Um as I always say, the blind squirrel is right twice a day. 
Man, if you are a producer over at Fox, and the best you can come up with on a Sunday well, now there. is Chris Wallace versus yeah. Eric Swallow. Now that's fake news. And I have to stop there myself. I, I, have, I am so tempted to, 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 uh, to pun that guy's name. Okay, you know, beta style. I've had to stop myself like three times in this segment from doing it because it just, it's like the dude code says this must be done. And I'm I'm pushing back on the dude code because I think it's it'd be too vulgar even for our show. But I, I missed that though. That's But how, you, how does a booking producer at Fox say, that, this is our Sunday interview? How I'm do ashamed. you do that? I apologize. You, you, I, I retracted everything. That's it. How? Why are we talking to Eric now, Swallow? Now, Thank now, you. Now, hold on. It could also be, though, that this was the only Democrat desperate and gullible enough <laughs> on a Sunday morning to come on Fox News and defend this process and procedure, right? Don't talk me out of it. <laughs> I'm there now. Right. I'm there. Okay. All right. Todd said, sold. Don't, uh, don't resell me. I already bought it. All right. Um, uh, let's get to the next clip. Human scum. Joining me now is former Republican congressman from Wisconsin, CNN political commentator, Sean Duffy. First, welcome to the network, Congressman. Hey, it's good to be with you, SD. Thanks for, uh, for having me on. Good to see yeah, you. Yeah, you, know, you know, I've known you a while. I, I like you. I know you are a stand-up guy, a family man. You teach your kids good values. Would you, sir, call me human scum? Listen, not the language I would use, I see, but I think it's important to go, not what did Donald Trump say? Why is he saying it? I mean, here you have a president. No, I actually want to talk about what he said. I actually want to talk about what he said because he called people like me human (laughs) scum. Are you proud of the president for using that kind of language to describe people who disagree with him? Do I? I I don't think you're scum, and I know a lot of never Trumpers. um, But. Aaron, you my to, one yeah. never Trump friend. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, gosh. Yes, Archie Bunker, tell me about your one pro, um, always Trump and one never Trump friend. You, you're yes. wearing your Michigan shirt today. You said you had, you, you literally saw chest hair growing the other night when, when Jim Harbaugh. When they're uh, running up the score? Took that holding Oh, and he took the holding penalty, call. Yeah. Penalty. Yeah, I like that. Uh, did you, did Still that, like it. Yeah, did uh, watched it on YouTube again last night before I went to, right before I went to bed. Did that hair like reseed into your chest during that clip? I'm sorry. What's my name? That clip, if that's not cable news in America. Yep. In one clip. Eric Swallow was alpha and omega levels yeah. of real. That's so I, so to I'm that. gonna go back. Now you're back. I take I, it I, back I, again. I, you have to take it back again. Again. <laughs> Unknown Fox producer. I'm sorry. All right. You called it right. Okay. In fact, that was highbrow. Yes. Over what we just saw. Okay. So, um, peace and chicken grease. All right. My bad. My bust. My bust. I, sometimes I don't understand LeBron, the things coming out of my brain. You know, I just, and, and that, that just happened. I'm sorry. It's like, uh... I, I could I could offer a counter of a, a fix for that. Here's how you actually respond to that kind of poop questioning right there. And yes, I said poop again, Wes. Um, this this the, I, I could offer an alternative. There's no point in telling a two year old how to act like a man. They're, they're two, and that's what I feel like. No, no 
Um, you know, that's what I feel like trying to offer advice to that guy. Just, what's that job just pay? Go, what's contributor at CNN pay? Go take a nap. That, that it requires, I've asked you this about Santorum. What, what are you doing there? What is the, what is the point of that? Okay. I, and when we get it for, for the overtime today, a little tease, because it, it ties right into this conversation. For the overtime today, so I, I, I told you guys about a week or two ago about a phone call I got from a producer at MSNBC, all right, looking to do uh, a documentary on evangelicals and, and, and the evangelical vote in Trump. And we, and if you want to know, you know, that conversation, uh, you know, what is said in the overtime stays in the overtime, blazetv.com slash days. So you can go watch all of our overtime. Those are like bonus segments for the show, right? We had that conversation yes. and, and I had, I finally had a follow-up conversation with her yesterday. She tracked me down yesterday. I talked to her for about a good 20 minutes and, and I'm going to share with you guys now the, the next stage in the uh, convo in today's overtime. All right, that's coming up. But one of the things I will tell you that came up in this conversation and it kind of give, this should give you an idea of how the conversation went because I, I could not have been more brutally honest. I'm just telling you, could not have been. I literally took shows, I took lines directly from this show and sent them right to her directly. All right? But you're, you're saying that like I should be surprised. Yeah. Like, what are you talking? <laughs> I really pulled my punches today, Erzin. That's okay. Like, then and and not like, coincidentally, here's my resignation <laughs> letter. Yes. Um, one of the things she said to me, and I quote, we're not like CNN. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, that's, that's... Oh, man. That is... It, is, it has come to this. That is okay. Jennifer Lawrence... Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has come to this. It's, 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 it, I don't, and I was like stopped dead in my tracks when she said that. I'm just like, wow, I got to find some way to mix that into the show tomorrow. <laughs> so I just did. All right. Uh, I, but if you're Sean Duffy, why are you doing that? Right. You leave Congress because him and his wife, uh, who was on the original real world. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. And, um, uh, strong Catholic family. I think they've had uh, they had a quiver full of kids. I think the most recent pregnancy, I think, was a health scare or a problematic one. I think that's I think why they, he left Congress. Was yeah, over that. I think it might be Down syndrome or something. Okay, maybe that's what it was then. Okay. Um, what 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 is why do this to yourself? Why why put yourself in these situations? You're, there's it, these are this is this is pearl before swine. No conversions are happening he here. This is this is Herod's palace. It's a clown show. Why are you doing this? He doesn't think he's in a situation. That's how you act like that when you're there. You just like show up and cash the check. What can the check possibly be? What you, I've got friends that are contributors. Well, they don't make like twenty grand a month doing this or they, something. So what is what is what is the point? I they they become addicted to the relevance of being and maybe that's on what camera. it is. Maybe that's I really what it is. do think it is. And yeah, maybe that's what it is. All right, next clip. But dial. You know, Charles would have a hard time with a fraud case because he didn't do any due diligence. Tomorrow, I got to get you to get on Berlin. You got to call. Got to call Robert again tomorrow. It's Robert around. The problem is, we need some money. We need a few hundred thousand. So that's. And he did this twice, by the way. Twice, Giuliani. Who was the reporter from MSNBC? I believe. Or was, so. it, was it an NBC reporter that he butt dialed? And on their voicemail, not realizing that he had done this, he did this twice. 
he's leaving messages on this reporter's uh, voicemail of these conversations he's having with another operative on, you know, some of their political machinery and chicanery. And I saw that on Friday night and I tweeted out, kids, I know this is going to be hard to believe now. But there once was a time this guy was considered a complete badass. And let this be another cautionary tale of knowing when to say when. Just like the conversation we were just having about Sean Duffy, right? Do you really need, do you need this attention this badly? Um, and in the end, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So is that fake news or not, Todd? I'll answer it this way. Do you still want to argue with me about why the Democrats might be waiting on impeachment after seeing clown shows like that? Meaning who knows what he'll, yeah. Remember there was a story with, the, with one of the president's former attorneys was eating lunch in a Washington, do you guys remember this? In the early, in the early days, this happened during the early days of the, uh, of the Russian collusion hoax investigation. And one of the president's attorneys was eating lunch in an open air venue cafe at Washington, D.C., Openly, openly speaking with an, an associate about confidential information pertaining to the president's defense, not knowing it was a Washington Post or New York Times, one of those two reporters just happened to be having lunch at the table next to him and was sitting there, you know, writing it down and, and I don't know if they wrote it down, recorded it. I, I mean, really? Really? You don't know this is going on? I don't like this is it for this is this is just uh, this town the needs cake. a better class of criminal man. This is the cake. Well, now you know why Kamala Harris couldn't mention any crimes he committed, Aaron, because he's just not smart enough to pull any of them off, man. This is this is Inspector Clouseau uh, kind of stuff. I was going to go. We're going to go there. I'm sorry, man. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's like it's it. it I don't. I don't know. It's like. It's like. Uh, this is an axiom that I, I. That I always. That I always use. You know what's what the my version of this is when you're digging yourself in a hole. What's the first step to getting out? What do people usually say? Put down the shovel. No. This is akin to I'm going to keep on digging until I come out in China, and then I'm going to hop on the next plane back to where I got into the hole and hope that everybody forgot why I was digging myself in the hole to begin with. That's basically what this is. That this this entire political class is like it's just running, bumbling, stumbling, uh, you know, the wrong the wrong way until you you know come out the other. Side. It's just it is fascinating and infuriating to watch. Because at the end of the day, if you want to keep your conscience clean in any way, you you've you've got to not play the game you've got to go kneel and you know that i mean you did it once on tv you just got up in the middle of it mm -hmm. i think that you've been more or less trying to do that your entire career which is why you half jokingly say uh, i don't live in as a nice a house as i'd like to or something mm -hmm. like that but man most people just don't uh, they, this is the game gotta play that, that's that's politics that's life in general you just meet uh, everybody who's got their side and think they're better but they just they can't they're just we never, entirely you know what? by the game we never leave high school and, right and i right. moved i moved around a lot as a kid i went to 11 different schools k through 12 and you see that the, the same culture you're talking about you see that whenever you go to a school i i have to sit at that table i have to be on this team 
And when you're the new kid all the time, you're not afforded the luxury of those sorts of options. A lot of times they're already spoken for. You're always starting at the bottom of the totem pole, you know? And so I just, at a young age, I just learned I was never going to get access to that kind of familiarism because I'm just, I was moving around all the time. And so I, that's what, what else, if you're Rick Santorum and you're Sean Duffy, it, it's unfathomable to come up with something else to do with your life other than just walk into a CNN studio and let yourself just get humiliated by people that aren't worth letting you be humiliated by, right? It, because it's unfathomable that you wouldn't sit at this table at lunch with, the, with these kids, that you wouldn't be yes. in this clique. It's unfathomable that you would sit at another, at another table and eat your lunch, that you would go to a different school or a different class. It, it just, the idea that you would exist outside of this subculture, you just, it, it does, it, you know, it, it just violates your internal programming, right? Yep. When I watched this clip, it violated my internal programming. Talk about making for strange bedfellows. Watch this. Well, I think, first yeah. of all, the notion that uh, profits defeat patriotism is not exactly new. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think you can ask an individual company to stand up against an entire sovereign state. Uh, I think part of what we're probably going to have to invent is a model where a com company which is being pressured by the Chinese can turn to the American government to defend it. Yes. And if, you know, if we had stepped in and said, look, you can go ahead and hurt the NBA. Here are the six Chinese companies that we're going to wipe out. Mm -hmm. So just understand, you want to play this game, we'll play the game too. What you can't do is have a totally one-sided deal. So Newt Gingrich coming to the side of the NBA, they're victims here. Um, what you, what's your thought on that, Aaron? Uh, that's... That's total fake news. Now, it wouldn't have been fake news maybe back in the 70s or 80s or maybe even the 90s. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to imply that Newt Gingrich maybe or maybe not stuck in the 70s, 80s, or 90s. But I think that Newt Gingrich might be stuck in the 70s, 80s, or, or 90s because that might have been true back then. I don't think there's any question that that is true now because for those five or six companies that we want to pressure out of China, guess what? Hey, here's five or six products that we're not going to uh, allow you to have quite as easily. That you rely so much of your uh, so much on us for your imports of of uh, electronics. You know, it's just I, I believe we are in a lot of ways out leveraged by China right now economically, and I, I don't think that Newt Gingrich really really sees that now that's yeah. the right way that's the right way to look at it if yeah. we're at, on an equal playing field or even have more leverage, agreed that's absolutely that's an alpha way of looking at it but i just don't think he realized i don't think he doesn't want to admit that the nba prefers to do business with china than their own government that's true they're they're pro-chinese i think that's he the first thing he said was right profits over patriotism and that's why they're pro-chinese china is too beneficial to their profit margin I think he was just embodying Trump's uh, tariff policy right there. Okay. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. Stay tuned. Culture Tuesday brought to you by real estate agents. I trust.com. If you want to take advantage of plunging mortgage rates and a robust economy, great timing to do so, particularly winter is coming here in Iowa. We woke up to some snow on the ground here this morning. 
sellers are going to be thinking if I'm going to, I got to take, get out of this house now, otherwise I'm maybe going to be stuck here for the winter. Buyers are like, I got to get my new home now because no one wants to move in the winter. So the timing is great. Just make sure though you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust. Someone whose track record of success has actually been vetted. Someone whose knowledge of marketing has actually been vetted. Somebody whose notions of professional courtesy have actually been vetted. And that's what sets real estate agents I trust.com apart from other referral services. Often those are, you know, decent people, but they're really trying to help agents find clients. All right. In this case, this is about finding an agent worthy of having you for a client. So if you want an agent anywhere in America that has been vetted and checks all three of those boxes I just mentioned, make sure before you go all in uh, on a booming real estate market that you find a real estate agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. We look at the intersection each week at this time between pop culture and conservatism. We're going to talk about Kanye West in a moment, but I want to make sure we get to this before we run out of time. If you are looking for a scary movie recommendation, um, one that does have a couple of profanities, but in terms of its um, uh, gore, violence, not really there, uh, uh, sexuality, not really there. There's a new movie, Aaron, you've watched this, right? And Todd, Correct. you have not I'm seen not. this yet? Okay. There's a new movie, it's a Netflix original, and it's called Eli. And I don't know what you thought, Aaron. It's, it's, the movie itself is okay. There's not really any name major stars in it the woman who played the mom in the first conjuring movie is in this film uh the woman who played the mom in um um uh, what was the movie where the kid uh kid claims he went to heaven from a couple of years ago you know what i'm talking about oh uh, yeah i fortunately the- we don't remember the name of this heretical film so <laughs> send your cards and letters to aaron thank you um, it, uh, but the woman who plays the mom in that movie, okay, 90 minutes in heaven or something, I thought is what it was called. Maybe I don't remember, but, uh, he, the, the, so there's nobody like a major star, but, and, and so the movie's not the, the most superbly acted dialogue could be better, but in terms of plot twist bait and switches, this is one of the best in recent memory. In fact, I think it's the best I've seen in this genre since The Sixth Sense. I didn't see it coming at all. Halfway through the movie, Amy and I looked at each other and like, do you understand what's happening here? Does this make any sense? And then like in the last 10 minutes, you're like, oh. And this thing escalates real quick like. Was that your read on it as well or you disagree? Basically, yeah. I mean, it's... it's it. You're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. You kind of have this inkling, like, with certain parts of this, is this really, you know, is this really happening or is this some sort of dream or hallucination? And what turns out, well, I'm not going to say that because that might be a spoiler, but you're constantly questioning what's real and what's fake. At least I was. I found myself doing that Uh, anyway because it seems like parts of it are real, parts of it are maybe just dreaming. Um, but there is, but everything is confirmed pretty quickly at the end. I did kind of see the possibility of what happening, what you think to be the antagonist actually, uh, flipping, but I did not see the way in which that happened at all, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this one will blindside you. 
Again, you'll, you'll see better movies in your lifetime. Uh, we actually, for Family Movie Night, we just watched Signs. The kids had never seen it. And it's, it's better than I remembered it, actually. Um, I mean, the lead up and everything else, it's, it's just, it's so well done. And now remembering how, you know, what's coming. I can see the, the you know, Shyamalan sort of setting you up for what's coming later on and the double meaning of the title of the film, right? But um, this film's not nearly as good as that one. But in terms of plot twists, I know Shyamalan tries to put one of these in every one of his films. I'd say only The Sixth Sense has a better one than this one does. So for that reason alone, <clears throat> and because you're going to be hard-pressed to find something in this genre these days that um, is, doesn't make you feel like you need a Silkwood shower for watching it, okay? And so you get both of those. For that reason alone, I would recommend it. I think you'll like it. Todd. I still have... Neither one of you said a single specific thing about like what this movie is about. Because I don't want to. I don't want to. You can't to. say There's, anything. I don't. Possible. I don't. I don't. I think I yeah. don't want to risk it. I want to. I want. I want everybody else's heads on a swivel, like like Aaron and I's were, to even begin to hint at it. Here's here's what I, I can tell you. Here's what I can tell you. Okay. There's a very sick child, and he was born with that thing like John Travolta's boy in the bubble. Like he can't yeah. be exposed to you know, his, his body has like no immune system at all. Okay. All right. And so they take him to this um, medical facility where they are doing basically a black market gene therapy that claims they can heal children that are afflicted with this provided like their immune systems aren't fully mature and formed. Okay. Or, or their, or their physiology. So when they're, when they're kids. All right. And so they take him there as a, their son, Eli there as a, as a, while well, he's still a child. To see if this radical gene therapy will hmm. okay. will uh, kickstart an immune system, so he can ha- live a normal life. See, that's I, the I, most surprising thing of your. Co- I mean, you guys didn't give a single bit of detail. I don't. I don't even want to come close to risking yeah. the what's, okay. what you're going to see at the end. I will, and I will say at the end, and I'm not going to go into detail here. I will say at the end, I actually had to hop on uh, the internet to confirm. That what I just saw actually did happen mm-hmm. because I was like, wait, this is, is this, is this what, is this what this is? Because mm-hmm. that's what I, th- and then I topped on and I was like, yep, that's exactly what happened. So with that said, this may seem like an odd segue, but when you finally see this movie, you'll realize it's probably not as odd as a segue as you probably thought. Okay. But let's go to Kanye West. This is the number one story in American culture right now or pop culture right now. And that's his album, Jesus is King. How are the sales, by the way, Aaron? Do you know? I am not sure. Or do people about even that. track that they anymore did, because everything's iTunes everything's and downloads iTunes, now? So I, okay. haven't, I haven't seen sales numbers for anything for okay. a long time. All right. Well, he's doing a ton of interviews about this, about his beliefs, his conversion, et cetera. So you went out and bought the album, right? Just listened to it on Amazon Music. And you listened yep. to the whole thing a couple of times. Yeah, correct? three times, actually. Yeah. All right. Let's start with that. Yeah. Your review. Of of Kanye West's Jesus is King. So I've never I've never enjoyed rap, and that's what Kanye West predominantly is. There's a little bit of hip hop uh, mixed in there. I've never enjoyed rap, and I think for two reasons now. And I'm starting to question why I never I've never liked rap. I've always said to people, "What kind of music do you like?" Um, well, I like anything except for rap and screamo. 
uh, I'll listen and appreciate to anything else, but rap and screamo, I just can't get into. And I just thought it was, I just had a natural aversion to it for some reason. I'm starting to question those reasons now, actually, after having sat down and listened to an album like this. I think the, so I'm, I'm saying this as a caveat for this album, because I think I'm reviewing it musically on a curve or grading it on a curve, uh, if that it's makes sense. It's not your cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. Okay. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. Um, and I think the reasons why I've not enjoyed rap before is because I can't understand what the words are at all, which is not out of the ordinary for pop music or, or music in general nowadays. Uh, but also when I could understand the words, it seems like they were just the bottom of the barrel dredge and just filthy lyrics most of the time for rap. And so I think that's why I didn't enjoy it. With this album, though, I actually did enjoy it. I think for one of a, a, of a couple of reasons. The production quality. And if you've listened to Kanye West, if you live in America and have consumed media or watched anything on television over the last 15 to 20 years, I guarantee you've heard at least portions of Kanye West's songs. That's how big he is. That's how popular he is. Used in some commercials, used in other uh, applications as well. You have heard Kanye West music before. You probably not listened to all of the lyrics because all the lyrics have been really, really, uh, really, really disgusting. I think this time last year I saw somewhere where he was uh, rapping about, um, I like a quick F word, uh, That's th- that type of thing. So it's that type of stuff for a lot of his music. It's, it's pretty, pretty bad. Let's just put it out there. So having said all of that, not been my cup of tea, not into rap a whole lot. Listening to this, the production f- quality on this, extremely high. And uh, having talked to some people, who have listened to Kanye West before. That is a staple of his music. His samples are really good, uh, really good quality. The production value all the way through is really high. The second thing I was looking forward to in this album is, is this thing really real? Is this just going to be kind of some sort of fad? He's just throwing out a bunch of words out there, a bunch of Christianisms, a bunch of Christianese out there and seeing if he can maybe trick the evangelicals or open up a new market for his music or something like that. Because I, I, I've not been, it's not my job to judge, and it's not your job to judge Kanye West's so-called conversion or conversion. It's not anybody's job to do that. But having seen his life in the past, I, I'm not going to be really quick to jump on the bandwagon of God is really, really using this guy. I've, I've always sat back and been like, if the spirit's with this guy, let's see what happens. Let's see the fruit of this. So I was looking forward to, to this album kind of from that standpoint, to see if this was just a bunch of random Christianese thrown together. Um, It was not. I I would say, at the very least, lyrically, this album is on par with a lot of mainstream Christian music out there, I would say. Like, say, a Toby Mac? uh, Like, say, a Toby Mac, and that's not necessarily a compliment. I'm just saying, as far as just randomness or uh, the the quality of the lyrics, um, I'd say even in some respects... It's maybe even a little bit deeper than some mainstream Christian music nowadays. And let me read you some of the song from my favorite song in the album. It's the second. It's the first real song, but the second track on the album. Uh, here are some of the lyrics from that song. They say the weak start on Monday, but the strong start on Sunday. Feel free to laugh. I'm a white boy from Iowa reading these rap lyrics. All right, uh, read them s- in your whitest voice possible. Um, yes, uh, they say the yes, weak. They thank they, you. Yes, they see the weak start on Monday, but the strong <laughs> start on Sunday. Won't be in bondage to any man. John eight three three. We the descendants of Abraham. 
ye should be made free. John 8, 3, 6, to whom the Son set free is free indeed. He saved a wretch like me. Later on, uh, listen to this. If you woke, then wake up. With Judas, kiss and make up. Even with the bitter cup, forgave my brothers and drank up. Did everything but gave up. Uh, there's, uh, let's see, everything old shall become new. The leaves will be green bearing the fruit. Love God and our neighbor as written in Luke, the army of God, and we are the truth. Um, you know, the we are the truth thing, that aside, it's, there were some really profound, and the, the way he does it with the music, you got to listen to the track if you want to, the way he does it with that, that song, it is really, really effective and it is moving to some, to some extent. Now, my least favorite, my least favorite track on the album is a track called Closed on Sundays, and it is basically a love song to Chick-fil-A, and that was the one that I was like, <laughs> are you he, serious? Is he trolling us? Is he just like trolling Christians now? Because at the very end, it's, you know, it, there's a line in there called uh, you my Chick-fil-A that basically means uh, you're my favorite person. I, I think that's what it means anyway. And then at the end of the song, he like screams, Chick-fil-A! And it's really weird, and I, I I didn't quite understand that one. But there's some all there's some other pretty good tracks in there. As Does he well. mention essential oils in any of his tracks? Uh, not yet. Okay, I mean if Hopefully we're gonna if we're gonna down. hit all the evangelical uh, you know, cornerstones, yeah. right? What else? Chick fil A, essential yeah. oils. He slams the IRS in another track as well, which okay. is which is really interesting. So all that said, for somebody who doesn't like rap and historically hasn't, and I'm grading this on a curve a little bit, but I think there's no question from the production value and from the lyrics, it's. Uh, musically, it's a thousand percent better than a lot of Christian contemporary music. Lyrically, it's about on par with that. I don't expect any. Uh, I don't. Again, don't expect any. Uh, any. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Don't expect a traditional Christian hymn full of rich, rich theology. There is rich theology there, not presented in the same package as maybe you would find in a tr- traditional hymn. This is Kanye West we're talking about here. But this all leads me to something that I, I have been seeing going on under the circuit, surface about Kanye West's conversion. And, and the bottom line here is this. Um, God doesn't need Kanye West. God's God. It doesn't mean, though, that God could or maybe even is using Kanye West in a ginormous way right now. That's really cool. We don't need him to be our next Tim Tebow. Not that Tim Tebow has let us down, but we don't need to make an idol out of him. That's going to be counterproductive. That's going to be extremely counterproductive to his faith as well. So I would sit back and say, let's see what kind of fruit this tree is bearing right now. Let's see what God is doing from him. What's the fruit on the tree with the album you listen to? What's the fruit? It, it, I think it's good. Okay. I think it's it's okay fruit. It's not super deep, but I think it's okay. I think it's okay. He's just a guy right now, really legitimately, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, just seems like he's young in his faith. And I'm not saying that condescendingly at all. We're all, we're yep. all on, we're never going to reach the zenith point. We're all on that road together. He's working out his faith right now, I think, with fear and trembling. I mean, you, t- you hear him talking about abortion now. You hear him talking about fatherlessness in the home. You hear him talking about regeneration on James Corden's show. You hear him talking about all these things. You also hear him talking about, I think God gave me a $68 million tax refund. I'm gonna, I, there's a rumor that he was going to go speak at Joel Osteen's church. 
So pump, I mean, if there's anybody who really wants to put him on a pedestal right now, don't do that. That's the worst thing you can do. But don't root against him at the same time. Don't root against him at the same time. Pray for him. I will close with this. And this is not, this is going to sound really roundabout. I I heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy who heard it from, it's not that, it's not that type of thing. My, the the church that my sister and brother-in-law go to, it is a solid Bible-believing church. It is, uh, I I mean, the the main thing that is attractive about that church is, is the exegesis, the preaching through the world, the word. There is nothing, there's no fog machines, no super high-tech, expensive lights, anything like that. It is just a Bible-preaching church. The music pastor at that church came to that church from the church that Kanye is currently attending. Mm. And this music pastor told my sister, and again, this sounds like I heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy, but I think this is on good authority, that the only thing that would attract somebody to the church that Kanye West currently goes to is the gospel. So take that with a grain of salt, but I don't, I, I, I'm hopeful that God is using Kanye West, one of the biggest stars in American pop culture for the last 15 years. I'm hopeful that God is using him in a powerful way, but I'm not going to put him on a pedestal and I'm not going to root against him because God doesn't need Kanye. But God can use him really, really powerfully. So there's that. It's good stuff, you know? And when a guy that used to be known as Saul and as a persecutor showed up one day and said, hey, my name's Paul now, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm your apostle to the Gentiles, they didn't just jump on board. They, he, that dude, they spent like three years vetting him, you know? So I, if you want this to be sincere, if you want the, the, the seed to stick in the soil, don't turn him into your instant celebrity, you know, the Zondervan multi-book deals and everything like we did with John and Kate and all the other stuff we do. And we set people up for failure before there's a real root has taken hold. But at the very least, here's, here's what I took away most of all from what you just said, other than the last anecdote uh, from your uh, brother-in-law and sister's church is really good and promising, but the production value. Yep. All right. If, if this was... If if it is all a scam, they at least took their time from a craftsmanship of putting it together, right? This is pretty elaborate. Mm-hmm. This isn't just some I mailing in, you know. No, and they delayed it. With, yeah, they delayed the release several times in order to keep working on some of the mixes. For so at stuff. the very least, he's he's putting he they, they, that the the same amount of craftsmanship he put into any of his other mainstream albums that made him a multimillionaire. Yep, you you can see that level of skill and and artistry and and how this message was devised. Correct. Correct. That's a good positive first step. You had anything about twenty seconds on this stock? And I'll take it. Uh, I've been talking a lot this weekend, following what I said on Friday. Uh, regarding my uh, daughter and people talking about, well, if you just show a little grace regarding how I react to that, I don't think that word means what you think it means. So I'll go with Kanye on this one because I'm kind of tired of the imposters. We'll come back tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.